Hey, Stuart, Christian Cox here, a former player at Utah last time game day was up there. I, I played in 2010, had a brief stint in the NFL. and I was voted team captain by surprise my senior year. And Coach Franklin, uh, Christian Cox here, former former Ute, played played up there in 07 through 2010. Uh, had a brief stint with the Patriots. You know, I had a brief stint with playing the clarinet in the NFL. All Utes, all the time. This is your Ute Preview Show with Hanson Scotty on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Absolute best. I think it's some of the best radio in this state's history. I think it's fresh. I think it's a new perspective. I think it's direct. Okay. I think it's accurate. Okay. I think it's all those things. Whatever. How come every time I come on the show, like, oh. the worst possibly possible things I could have ever said, they just never leave you. It's they like they, they just follow you around forever. Uh, and you know what? I am who I am. If you don't like who I am, I apologize, but you're just going to get it from me real. Everybody loves who you are because you're one of the greatest humans that's ever walked this earth. So everybody well, they loves all Christian be you. Cox. They all everybody be wants you. to be Christian Cox. That's for sure. So, um, Christian Cox, for years, we did the Utah pre- and post-games together, and we did the Utah preview shows together and had a blast. And one day, Christian calls me and said, Hans, you guys just aren't paying me enough money. And <laughs> I, am, I am leaving the state, and I'm leaving you. And I felt so alone. I felt ashamed, rejected. I felt it all. It was such a horrible feeling. You traded me in for an older model. He's a beautiful older model. <laughs> he is an older model. He is a beautiful older model. He, he's a he's the nineteen. I think what is he a seventy four? He's 1972 a, he or seventy four. He is one of the best people. And you know what? Sometimes you got to move and and figure out life in different states. And uh, living in California was a pretty eye opening experience to turn your keister around and come right back to Utah yeah. because. You know, nothing like a cost of living that's just out of control. And then you got back here, and then cost of living decided to get itself back out of control. It did. It did. I, we, we got back right in the right time, and then, um, you know. Hey, when you were Californians coming back to Utah, were people like, get out of here, Californian? No. Oh, okay. No, I, I, for me, it was what? I, I came back in 2019. You were in California for, what, two years? I was only there a year. I, I only lasted a year. And nobody shamed you for being a Californian? No one. No one shamed me. Uh, I, great area. I lived up in Valencia. Uh, it's like where Magic Mountain's at. It's L.A. County. So, you know, Camille and the kids, we'd go down to Disneyland basically every weekend and had some family out there. Um, but Utah just kept calling. It and uh, calling, I, had to, I had to come back. And <laughs> candidly, you know this, Hans, I've been in the old uh, technology space for a long time. And uh, I, I left a company called Nuvi. Uh, I went to a company called Fileline. I've been there for the last three years, and we've grown by 15x. And we sell to lawyers and law firms, and sell legal technology, and killing it. Been very busy. Work downtown, and uh, have really good co- uh, founders and good good teams. And good for you. Uh, it's been it's been fun. And but had, I, I've missed you. And I'm you've added many children since we've I been have, together I've had, on I've, there. Yes, I've had two kids since those days. And what's what's ironic is, and we were just going back forth on this is. When I started in radio in 2012 or 2013 with you, yeah, uh, it was the first years in the Pac-12. Utah was going through a lot of challenges, and it was your first year out of the NFL. And it was first year out of the NFL, but 
But Hans had all of his beautiful kids would come and yeah. we'd do pre and post game together, and I'd hang out with you and the kids, and we'd these little bunch kids. And now, now the tables have turned. All of your kids are grown up, and yep. I've got five kids in the age of seven, and Rock's a giant. Yeah. Like I remember when he was tiny, and now he's six four and big boy playing ball. And it, Ashlyn, that, uh, I was just giving this Snow College update. Ashlyn's playing in the in the national tournament with Snow College right now. <laughs> In Kansas. <laughs> I remember when she was like nine. Oh, it's incredible. So Time goes so fast, but glad to have you back on air. And I know Utah fans are excited to hear your voice, Christian. We got so many different things that we need to talk about. But I really wanted to start with um, Kyle Whittingham. And I wanted to talk about, you know, you talked about how long ago it was that you left Utah. You figured when you got to Utah, Kyle had been there for a stretch. And then you were with him for – were you there – did you have a redshirt year? Were you there five years or four? I was, I was there four. You were there four years. Yeah, because I was there – I did a tra- – I, I did uh, Southern Utah with Gary Anderson, Kalani Sataki, A-Rod, Kevin Kloon, um, then went on a mission and then redshirted and then did three years. I knew Aaron Roderick was out at that Southern Utah. Okay, uh, Scotty a, and I were talking back and forth. He was a part a, of that group. A-Rod offered me my first scholarship with – well – Gary Anderson did, but A-Rod went to Bountiful High, played for Larry Wall. Yeah. And uh, Kevin Clune, if you know Kevin, he's obviously a linebacker coach down at BYU, deepest voice in the world, sh- showed up at my house and, hey, we want you to play linebacker over here. <laughs> that sounded more like the LSU coach, Go Tigers. <laughs> but he, again, amazing coaches. Um, Elisa Tuiaki at that time was my running back at Southern Utah. Fessy Sataki was my receiver. We were the two f- – me, Braden Godfrey, and Fessy Zataki were the only true freshmen playing that year. You played with Fessy. Yeah. Yeah, Fessy and I are the same age. We actually played in the 4A-5A All-Star game against, uh, here's some names, Ray Fianga, Downey Vacapuna. Uh, those were the years in the early 2000s when Hunter was really good with Matt Asiata and Downey Vacapuna and, those, and Ron Tongalovawa. Ray Fianga came and finished his career at BYU, did he? He did. Yeah. yeah. So, again, good tradition here in the state when it comes to, to football, but uh because of A-Rod and because of Gary Anderson. And then I went to Utah, and Kalani was the linebacker coach, and A-Rod, uh, Gary was calling the defense in 07, and Urban left. And listen, what, what Kyle has built is not appreciated enough to the market because you and I remember the early years in the Pac-12. Those were hard years. And honestly, what has been the constant Kyle Whittingham. Yeah. All of the other pieces have changed. Like Kalani got promoted, got a new job at Oregon State, took the head coaching job down at, at BYU. And um, you look at Utah overall, Kyle is the constant. Kyle yeah. and Morgan Scally have been really the two constants. Well, there have been that, probably three offensive coordinating changes. Yep. Well, Andy Lud- here's the irony. Andy Ludwig was my OC when I was at Utah in 06, 07, 08 when we won the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. And then in 09 is when he left – um, and so I, I, the irony is I, I when I was playing um, scout team defensive end against Dustin Hensel and um, some of the other amazing, like Robert Conley um, for the Utah offensive line, Coach Ludwig was honestly the sweetest, nicest coach to everybody. And that's why I knew I liked him because whether you're a walk-on or a prestigious player, he treated you with a lot of respect and – I've been very pleased to see what he's done so far. He does the same with the media when you go out there and talk with him. He's just accommodating and, and good to – at least he is to me. He's always been so good to me. And I think Andy's been a good fit. It was kind of a rough start to this season. Sure. There were some minutes there where it was like 
geez, this is a little predictable. Uh, against BYU and against San Diego State, there were some moments where it was like, all right, you're going to need to open this thing up a little bit. Well, that was the, that was this the, thing has really come well, around. Well, this is the, the take is this. Charlie Brewer was a guy who could make all the throws. They liked that he could make all the throws. This was the first quarterback who could make every single throw possible. But to be a functional and successful offense for Utah with Andy Ludwig's process, you need a guy who can stretch the field to a degree. You don't need an amazing blazing runner, but you need someone who can actually run the ball to a degree. And you, when you, you when you said stretch the field, are you talking sideline to sideline? I'm with talking sideline to sideline. I'm, I'm talking about run. Yeah. The, the run. The you have to be able to run the run the ball to a degree, or at least escape out wide. And Charlie Brewer, the reason why Utah's giving up so many sacks, yeah, maybe mental errors, but he was just sitting back there. He wasn't moving. Cam Rising is dynamic. Obviously, his leadership skills are off the charts. Yeah, but he can move with his feet. But they could run some some actual zone read option and stretch the defensive ends so they're not pinning their ears back just to go get a sack. You remember how easy that is? Mm-hmm. If you've got a pocket passer that's just a, a stand-up guy and you know he's not going to threaten you with his feet, you're not worried about contain as much. You're going to take more risks going inside and going to get a sack. Yeah. And with Andy Ludwig's offense specifically, as you talked about, it's, it is important to have at least some ability in that, in that area as a quarterback. Some offenses – drop it back you've got a quick click decision you and i both played with quarterbacks that were just quick clicks just you see it you know it you watch it and your your ball is out within under two seconds but in andy ludwig's offense where you've got a little bit of rpo you've got some real zone read options that you you have to be pretty decent at at least the judgment to give or to take and then if you do take the ability to go get five or eight yards it is important charlie brewer really couldn't do it no, and he couldn't run at all. And I think they thought maybe throwing because he could make all the throws that would kind of, I don't know, uh, cancel that out. But candidly, he just couldn't run the ball. And, you know, Utah didn't know what its identity was with all the running backs. Um, obviously, Tavion Thomas had his fumbling issues early in the year, and those got squared away. And they really went back to basics of putting – and this, again, we'll probably get to Cam Rising later, but we this, is, this is where you want to talk about guts – it's not measurable in football. Yeah. I, you know, you can talk about stats and, you know, what can they do. But football of all sports, you need a guy with guts and heart who can win over the team. And it was obviously very clear once uh, Cam Rising took over, he may not deliver the ball in the most beautiful, elegant fashion. His arm, the way he throws may not be the perfect ball, but he is dang efficient yeah. if you look at his statistics. He's thrown two picks on the year. He's got, I don't know, 15, 16 touchdowns. But once you inserted him into the second half of the San Diego State team game, this team has been completely different the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. It was just too late to make that move. And if they, and if you beat San Diego State on the road, it's maybe a little bit of a different season. And if you pull out Oregon State, it's a whole different conversation. You're the best seven and three team in the country, but who cares about a seven and three team? This team is almost as much different defensively as it is offensively. Yeah. As we've seen these young guys kind of develop, and we'll talk more at length about that. But Utah has jumped into the top 20 in multiple defensive categories, and they were in the bottom 80 to start the season. So we'll talk about the difference and, and who's made that jump. But I wanted to go a little bit further into the Kyle Whittingham conversation. What he's done with Utah is undeniable. When, when you were playing for Kyle Whittingham, 
were you guys under the impression that he'd be around that organization until he's 70, 75, 80 coaching? Or did you have a sense that, hey, you know, we're in the glory years right now with Kyle Whittingham, and this university might not have him forever? I, I don't, that's a loaded question. So when we first started, again, I'm, I'm going way back when, um, when we first started, we didn't have an Under Armour contract so we didn't have a lot of funds. We were a, a low-tier Nike school where we had to iron on our Nike patches. We, weren't, we didn't have a lot of good equipment. Under Armour just started to become a te- like an actual like apparel brand that was sponsoring colleges. They had one other school called Maryland, and they had one other school called Auburn. And so they had us, Auburn, and Maryland at the time. And so Plank came to our practices he meshed really well with Kyle, and Kyle's style is just, he'll outwork you, and he always will. He's the most competitive person I've probably ever met. Um, he's the most consistent person I've ever met, um, and he's one of those people that uh, once you earn his loyalty or you you make it into his respect, it, it's really hard to do that. And once you've got it, once you're in, um, he's kind of like your father. He's kind of like your grandpa. But the only way you earn that respect is through running, running plays right, doing things the correct way, and basically everyone has to pay the price to, to earn the respect of Kyle. And so for me, I had no idea that he would keep going. I don't think he knew he would keep going. But the good part about Kyle is in 07 when we're a Nike-branded school, <laughs> his pay was probably three or 400K. We were still in the Mountain West. Um, he's still trying to figure out if he could duplicate what Urban Meyer did. Four years later, he leads our team to an undefeated uh, – we beat Alabama. We were 13-0. and We beat Julio Jones and Mark Ingram. Um, it was a fun season. He, but he had amazing coordinators. He had an amazing team. Our, our, our two deep that year was our one – our depths with the one was so strong, and we were lucky not to be injured. Um, but from that point, once we won the Sugar Bowl, and as a kid, you didn't realize, okay, now his salary triples. And then the prestige of four years that you have two BCS wins to now the school can qualify to make it into the Pac-12. And I don't think fans even realized it then is what a big deal it was to transition to the Pac-12. And then how hard it really was those first three years in the Pac-12. Right. It was brutal. You have you have Mountain West depth trying to make it in the Pac-12, and you know there was some scary years, and he just, fought his butt off, just like years. Kyle does, and and it's the, how it falls down with the team is he just worked through it, and the team has bounced back, and they've gotten amazing recruits, and they've maintained that same fabric of you work and do your job, and you you conform to the Utah way, not the other way around. The program is the program. And what's kind of the neatest part is you have all of the results of you come to our program, you will make it to the NFL. Yeah. And that's where the products of all of these players have come in. Coming by in. Have blossomed and have made it to the NFL. You can go, we can go down the list of the, the Cody Bartons who you wouldn't expect to be a third rounder all of a sudden blossomed late in his junior senior year. He's with Seattle. You got Starlow to the lay who was a beast. You got Zach Moss. You got Tyler Huntley, who's now a backup, who's killing it yeah. for the Ravens as a backup. So there's, you can go on and on, but it, it is, I think it's it's not respected enough because why? It's the man at the top has lynched this whole program together 
and everyone that kind of feeds off of that tree, all of these the coaches, the Morgan Scallies, the Shreve Shahs, the, the Andy Ludwigs, you know, the Lewis Powells, the Sione Pujas, they know what Kyle expects. Mm-hmm. They all expect the same thing. And I think that's why the organization is so strong and so consistent is because of Kyle. And he, his expectations are very clear, and it's production-based. And for me, I think it's been such a swan song. I thought he would kind of just be wanting to retire and be done a few years ago. Yeah. For me, it feels like he's going to keep going. Yeah. I It'll just – We'll see how long it'll go. It seems like he enjoys it. Seems like he's enjoying it. It does seem like this has been a, an extremely emotionally difficult year. Very difficult where he's lost a couple of his beloved players, and we've talked about that with Aaron Lowe and Ty Jordan at length, and it was a very difficult start. And the the two funerals that this whole team attended, I felt like Utah handled it all really well. And then you throw in the fact of how hard he goes. So the, the thought I've always had with Kyle Whittingham is if, if he can't do it better than you and if he can't work harder at it than you and if he can't be better at it than you, then I could see Kyle saying, I'll start into something that I can do and be better or f- more fulfilled in that. And as, as much time and emphasis as he puts into being a head coach, and as much as he does grind, sometimes I look at it and I think to myself, if, if he's fatigued at all, if he had some time off with this COVID situation, because he had more time on his hands than he's ever had before, and an opportunity to take more trips and be with his beautiful wife and get to enjoy his grandbabies and get to enjoy his kids and a little bit of freedom, there's a part of me that wonders, like, you get that taste of freedom and you know how hard you had to grind to get to that undefeated season in 08 or to get to the two Pac-12 South Division titles that he's gotten to. And you look at it and you're like, can I, can I keep going at this level? Do I, ha- do I need to keep going at this level? Do I, do I need to keep pouring my life into this or have I done enough? And, and so, Christian, it's always in the back of my mind that if he does get that Pac-12 title, if he does get that Rose Bowl, I think that's the last piece that he that that would really mean something to him. Like you've you've got him into the Pac-12, you've gotten some division titles, you've you've had an undefeated season, you've got all the NFL talent you yeah. could possibly imagine. That coveted Rose Bowl that teams in the Pac-12 that have been there for 30, 40 years haven't gotten to. If he can get to that Rose Bowl, I think if he can put his label on that. He knows the statue will be out in front of the stadium. Hell, he knows that the stadium might be Kyle Whittingham just like it is Lavelle Edwards. And he's done everything he possibly can for that university. That's why I wonder, if he continues to win this year, I wonder if that kind of gives him the opportunity to get on a horse and ride into the sunset. Yeah, you, you really don't know, right? I, you're making me kind of sad to be a candidate. I'm hoping that's not the case. I'm hoping he wants a little bit more, but – I think there's yeah, some truth. I think nobody there, wants I, him to leave. I think there's some truth to that. I think there's been just such a level of consistency that I think go look at go look at the University of Tennessee. The job that he turned down. He turned down a massive contract with the University of Tennessee in 2010. People don't realize that. Uh, he could have stayed or gone to Tennessee, coaching the SEC. I remember it was big dollars. Too. Yes, big dollars. Um, I think Lane Kiffin was post him, uh, but post Philip Fulmer, how good. Has Tennessee not been? Not good. 
post Peyton Manning, they won a national championship with T. Martin. But since then, they have in 20 years. But that was still Fulmer. Yes, it still was Fulmer. Mm-hmm. But since he left, you go look at the stats of have they beat Alabama? They have not. They've barely beaten Georgia. They're getting just thumped. So it's like you remove kind of that beloved character. It is really hard to rebound and be successful and consistent. And for me, I don't know if he wants a national championship or if a Rose Bowl for him is enough. I know in his mind he always thought he'd go to the NFL. He admitted that. He said that. Uh, but he said, I'm surprised I've made it this far. I actually quite enjoy it. And I, the selfish side, I do know he's, in, he's actually slowed down and enjoys his personal life a bit more. Uh, he's found other hobbies that yeah. he's never had. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, he's got grandchildren and things like that. But um, I, I hope a Rose Bowl. I hope he wants a little bit more. But you can't say what you want. You know, you've been doing radio for a long time. Mm-hmm. There's a time and a place for everything when you're when you're done doing what you've what you've done for so long. And he's been coaching. He's been coaching at Utah. I think since like when 1993, 94, or the early 90s. Um, yeah, he is you Utah know, football. We're, we're talking 30 years of time. I still think he could take him to a college football playoff. Yeah, I think they're I think they're steps away from it. Uh, you gotta you gotta get to a Rose Bowl first. And that's his goal. But I think if you with the way they play with physicality and they can keep getting better recruits, I think in the next five years, I think they could get to a college football playoff. But can he make it physically or mentally? I don't know. We've got a lot of things that we got to get to, and we'll get into this Utah-Oregon game. We're going to get into the roster for Utah and much more here with Christian Cox, former Utah defensive end, former New England Patriot. Um, we got to get into a lot of those things, but no, that's I'll stop right there, Lloyd. You want me to keep going on? Because you got a lot of accomplishments. Uh, the father of five beautiful children. Okay, we can. We can the we, husband we can, we can, of a gorgeous wife. Okay. We could stop. Okay. Okay. We're, <laughs> Lloyd, Lloyd's urging me to continue no. on the Christian Cox resume. I get this like but, once a year, man. When I get it, I'm going to enjoy it. Okay. Thanks, Lloyd. I appreciate it. Uh, confidence I is I can't right even now. get a hold of you to join the show ever. That's you don't even true. return my calls. That that is there is this what radio is? Just a thing full of lies. <laughs> so all we do is just embellish the truth. Uh, yeah. Okay. I, I no. missed it. I guess no, theater try, of the mind, to, Christian. Okay. We try to be accurate and honest as much as we can. That's good. Um, but so Christian, you do you do feel like you could potentially see Kyle Whittingham coaching well beyond this year? Beyond this year, yes. But I. As you outline it, that's changed my perspective. I think if he wins the Rose Bowl, I could see him being done. Yeah. He's he, – what else? He does love his personal life more than he ever has. Yeah. And that's where I say he's not burning himself out. He's actually leveraged – it's not a solo thing that he's trying to drive. He has amazing coaches. He has amazing, le- amazing leaders. He has amazing talent. He's got Cam Rising for the next two years after mm-hmm. this. He's got great running backs. Um, I guess – Lavelle, Joe Paterno, Bobby Bowden, you know, all these original greats like Bobby Bowden. It's like, when is the time to go? There never is a good time. And you, you witnessed that, Hans. Yeah, I did. With Lavelle. So it's um, I watched him really hand the reins over in a five-year period. Yeah. Didn't leave, just handed the reins over. And I, I, a lot of people could have looked at it and said, oh, they kept him way too long. Guys like Kyle Whittingham, guys like Lavelle, guys like Joe, you keep them as long as you can. Because they have that 
unique identity. You know, last thing, uh, and then we'll move on from this, and we'll talk with Rich. We're down here at Tim Daly Nissan. Um, last thing is with, with Kyle Whittingham, he has had a unique ability to uh, not, not transition, adjust with the differences in youth. Like even from when you were in college compared to these kids nowadays with the transfer portal and name, image, and likeness and their star system and all those things, what's been really incredible to me, watching all these coaches, like we just saw one that was suspended and then fired for pushing a kid in the face mask with a, with a clipboard and all the different things that we've seen, how he's continued to adjust with the athlete has just been remarkable. And something we never talk about, but it's something. No, we don't. And that's that's why I say he's because he's, he's old school. He's a, rena- he's, he's, a rena- he's a renaissance man. I, he is more again. I hot take, and people are going to hate what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it. He is more like Nick Saban than 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 not. He is more like Bill Belichick than not. Like I, I keep saying the coaches that I've played for, I've played for amazing coaches. Yeah, Larry Wall, Kyle Whittingham, Bill Belichick are more similar in how they operate and how they work. Than not, and it's been really fascinating for me to think about my my life over the last twenty years for playing some of the best for playing with and for some of the best coaches. Yeah, they all have their differences and own styles, but there is a, a common thread between all of those three men, and I think that's why Kyle's so respected in the NFL ranks because of the way he runs runs the program. And I think candidly, the only reason why I got a chance in the NFL was because of the program I came from and the way Utah works and uh, the, the prestige that's been built at Kyle's continued from Coach McBride, from uh, Urban, who came quick and two years in and out. But this has been Kyle's way of doing things. So, Well, great. I think you being 6'4", 260 pounds, 3% body fat, lightning fast, and a great guy had something to do with it. Hey, I'm not 260. I hope I'm not. <laughs> what it, were you at your height? Uh, the, 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 the most I actually, I, you played at. Prime, most pr- you prime played. I, was, I was 250. I was like 248, 6'3". When I was in New England, I was in the best shape of my life. I was 235, 8% body fat, and the fastest ever yeah. it was in my life. Coming off the edge like a yeah. madman. Yeah, I was playing middle. Yeah, middle. So More with Christian Cox coming up. We are live at Tim Daly Nissan here in Murray, just off 4500 South and State Street. Come down and see us, and I want you to come in, ask for Rich, and tell him you want the Black Friday deal. Rich, you can't really go full details on this, but the Black Friday deal is fantastic. Yeah, the Black Friday deal is designed for the holidays uh, to give our customers a little bit better deal than what we normally would and to stretch as far as we can uh, to make the deal work for our clients, which is the zone listeners. That's what we're all about, making people happy. We deliver happiness every day. Absolutely. And I just saw somebody come in and look at this red frontier. Yeah, sitting right on a showroom that floor. That is a beautiful truck right hey, there. Hey, they came in. Hey, I like that I like that truck on a showroom floor. Can I go drive it? No problem. Drive it right off the floor. Let's take it for a ride. <laughs> That's exactly what we did. He took it off the floor. And That's right. Drive. That's how accommodating we are here. Everybody's got a different deal, and we're ready to listen, and we're ready to make it happen as best we possibly can. The transparency here is unbelievable. Customers love us. Hey, what am I getting? When I, when I go, like, let's say I'm in a Titan, and I go down from a Titan to a Frontier, what, what are some of the differences in the, in the two models? 
really uh, about, well, one toes more than the other. Uh, one's got a little bit smaller bed than the other. But other than that, they're, they're you know. You same little, quality truck. Same quality truck. Same, uh, you know, if you like the half ton, then, or you want something that's close to a half ton, you go with the Frontier. You want a full-size half ton, maybe something that's extra duty, that'll tow more on it, you know, up to 10,000 pounds, you get the Titan. They both ride like dreams, like you're in the clouds. But which one comes with the Tim Daly Forever warranty? How about all of them? Ah, uh, nice. Yeah, nice question there. Yeah. Uh, you, you threw me a nice soft pitch, I and I hit that one out of the park. <laughs> you did. All okay? of them. Come all with of them, a lifetime warranty. All of them come with a lifetime warranty. When you buy it, as long as you own that vehicle, you uh, you have a forever warranty, what we call the forever warranty. It's something that we do exclusively here at Tim Daly. That engine, that transmission is covered for as long as you own that vehicle. You hear him talking on air. You've heard him for a couple years now. That's Rich down here with Tim Daly Nissan. Come down, ask for him personally. Go on a couple of test drives. Look at a couple of vehicles. I promise you Rich has got your back. He's a great guy. And uh, he is here until what time? Until 5 o'clock today. Until 5 o'clock. And I got a whole staff here until 8. Until 8. And, by the way, I've never seen this place without Rich in it. So <laughs> you're probably going to find Rich. He's a workaholic. Come I'll be floating somewhere Yeah, he'll, he'll be floating around. But come down here. It's Tim Daly Nissan in Murray. More Hanson Scotty coming up. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It's the biggest Pac-12 game of the year for Utah and a potential preview of the conference championship game as the Oregon Ducks come to Rice-Eccles Stadium for a showdown against the Utes. Listen all week for your chance to win tickets to the game and then catch the Ute pregame show Saturday at 4.30 with the postgame show immediately following the game. Ah! From Monday morning to the postgame press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Ute football. You ready? Yeah! Ah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. You're listening to the Ute Preview Show with Hanson Scotty on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back. Hanson Scotty, 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It is your Utah Preview Show. Hans Olsen, Christian Cox, getting you ready for this Utah-Oregon game here in Rice-Eccles Stadium. We're going to get into this thing and really break it down and give you our thoughts on how this thing plays out. I, the more I research it, the more I look at it, the more, the more my opinion is starting to sway on this game. And I'll give you some of those reasons coming up here shortly. In the meantime, let's give away some Utah Jazz tickets. We'd love to get you out to these Jazz games. Let's go 12th caller, 855-340-9663. You call in right now, 12th caller, 855-340-9663. We're going to get you a pair of tickets to get out to this Jazz Toronto Raptors game coming up tonight. Make sure you're available. Make sure you can get out to the game. You're not just calling to try to grab some tickets, but make sure you can get out and go see this game because it's going to be a lot of fun. Fantastic game coming up tonight. 855-340-ZONE for those jazz tickets. 
As far as Oregon's concerned, I think Oregon does a lot of things well. And, and you know, really two areas that you absolutely have to excel at to be a championship-level college football team is running the ball and stopping the run. And that is two areas that Oregon really excels at. They're the number 10 team in the country in running the ball, 227 yards a game. They put a, a lot of that pressure on their quarterback. But they've got two or three running backs that will go out and get you 100 yards in a game, get you 80 yards in a game. So they can absolutely run the ball. The next thing you've got to do is you've got to be able to stop the run. They're number 24 in the country in stopping the run at 121 yards per game. But just a little bit of an update. Tavian Thomas, who missed the game yesterday, he will be back and available for this Oregon game. So Tavian Thomas, the running back that you really relied upon, the running back that has really found his stride in this season, will be back for this Utah game. And, and Christian, having an opportunity to get a week's rest, and really not a severe injury, but get a, a week's rest, get your body back under you. Tavian Thomas should come back this weekend full of fire. Listen, I, I, have you found a guy who scored more touchdowns in a shorter span of games, right? Doesn't he have 14 touchdowns on the year plus? Uh, Is he at 14? Yeah. If you go look at his stats, I think that's where it's neat that Utah could go on the road against an Arizona team. That was a tough game against a 1-8 and team, but you had the opportunity to rest him because T.J. Pledger is that good. But there is something different with Tavion Thomas. I said, I said on a thread because there's there's a certain. Do do you still the Skittles available on games? Do those, does that happen? Yeah, still a in bit. today's world. Yeah. I think Utah. I think I think Utah is a three point favorite, which is shocking. And I said if Tavion Thomas is playing, you take the Utah three. If he is not playing, you think about taking it the other way, because with Tavion Thomas in the roster. This Utah team is completely different. The run game is a bit more physical, a bit more explosive. And then when you bring in a Makai Bernard or even a TJ Pledger, uh, this team is very, very dangerous. Again, you got three really, really good running backs. But Tavon Thomas is the guy, and he is what makes this team go. And he is what made the Stanford game so special. And TJ Pledger and Makai Bernard all had a heck of a game. So I would take it. I would, uh, again, if you're doing Skittles, um, I'd take the Utah three if Tavion Thomas is playing, and it sounds like he's healthy and he will be playing. Currently trying to find the line here. It was um, it was three last night. Utah is a – they are still a three-point favorite. Still a three-point favorite as, as of right now. Over the – one of the – The number three team in the country. Over the three team in the country. They've, they're oh. nine and one. Well, they're seeing something, and actually they're seeing stuff that I'm starting to see. And I've been talking about this game. I've actually kind of leaned Utah's way throughout most of the week because I do think that Utah's fine in their stride. I don't know how much Oregon has really been tested. And I'm talking about on the road in a very tough environment. I get the Ohio State game. The Ohio State game is a a complete entity in and of itself. I know, but isn't that what's interesting? And you and I both know this. Game one and two is not the same as game 11. It's not not even – you don't even remember it. Mm -hmm. You either keep progressing and getting better as a team 
or you are a, a fraud team, and that's what you find with some of these undefeateds that lose late. They're not as good or as strong as their record really is, and Utah's done the opposite. They've gotten stronger game by game by game by game by game late. Yeah. Uh, Oregon just hasn't been tested. Oregon just hasn't played any hard games on the road, like you said. And they've had a, a lot of tight games. You know, with Washington State, it was back and forth. They ended up beating Washington State, I think, by 14 points. And Washington State might be a better team than something, might be a worse team than some think but you know it, it, Oregon's not blowing teams out they haven't been overly tested the Stanford loss was on the road and you know that's not a volatile environment all, all 10,000 people in the in, yeah that's being generous that's being very generous but Stanford beat them we'll, on the road we'll even look at the first game of the year Fresno at home Oregon they I think they only won by 14 points they went on the road against Ohio State and again I'm speaking from memory here I watched the Ohio State game, and Verdell had a heck of a game. They ran the ball extremely well, so did Die, And they played their best game, but that was one isolated game. And if you, if you string together all of the games except for game two, and this is why, I, I don't know, this takes us down a different road. I'm not, I don't want to go down it now with college football playoff and things like that. But if you string the remaining, those, the next seven or eight games – you barely beat Cal, who Cal lost to a, a, a winless Arizona team. You didn't play Washington very strong. You lost to Stanford on the road, which still blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Stanford is not very good at all this year. They're just not. They're not. With, without Tanner McKee playing quarterback, they're, pretty poor. They're, they're not a very strong team. And, heck, Oregon State is very good, and Oregon State has a chance to beat Oregon. And, again, I, a lot of hyperbole here. But Oregon, the, the third-ranked team, this doesn't feel like a very strong third-ranked team. But, candidly, all the times that Utah is picked to beat Oregon, they lose to them. Every time Utah is not picked to beat Oregon, like they did with Jason Shelley when they beat uh, Justin Herbert to make it into the Pac-12 championship, they beat him at home. Mm-hmm. And so you hope that this weekend, or the week, I guess Saturday night at 5.30 on national television, that the right Utah team shows up, and it's a massive opportunity for them to shine through. And unlike my senior year in 2010 when we played Andy Dalton and we were undefeated, we embarrassed ourselves, I feel very confident in the identity of this team and what this offense can be and that if they can contain the Oregon offense, this defense isn't very strong. I watched all of the UCLA-Oregon game. Oregon has its holes, and Utah's physicality could expose that. They absolutely have their holes. Their passing defense is not very good. They're almost bottom 100 in the country. Uh, Their passing offense, not very good. They're almost bottom 100 in the country. They're not going to try to get out there and throw the ball on you. Now, they really do force the run. They're very good in the run. You talked about some of their rushing threats, and you throw in Anthony Brown, the quarterback, as second-leader rusher for that team. He can definitely get those yards. Um, they're not really good at getting sacks. They're not good at really pushing pressure. There's one guy in in, uh, in Kayvon Thibodeau that can – If he's healthy. If he's healthy, they he's, can he's get in been, the backfield. He's had health issues all year. But this is not a team that collectively brings high levels of pressure. Um, this is one of the bottom teams in the country in getting sacks. It's one of the bottom teams in the country in getting TFLs. Their, their structure is interesting because Oregon's always been a, a, a fast – fast first type team i remember going on the road and playing oregon in 2009 when chip kelly was bringing that spread offense up there and 
a guy named Jeremiah Masoli is who we played against, and obviously Marcus Mariota was after that. And they're not they're not big they're not big physical scary looking teams, but they are fast. And the neat part about this Utah team is they're physical, but they also have a ton of speed, tons of speed. Yeah. And this Utah defense is very athletic. This Utah offense, yeah, Cam Rising may not be the most athletic quarterback, but pull up his stats. He's thrown two picks on the air and 16 touchdowns plus. He's His completion percentage is 65%. He makes the right decisions. He's not uh, a Brett Favre throwing wild passes across his body. I really like how this offense is structured, and they've got a great opportunity. If they can get up early against Oregon, um, they could really put Oregon in a bad spot. Oregon has not been tested on the road or trailing on the road, if at all, this entire year. They, they got up quick against Ohio State by three touchdowns and just basically milked their lead and had some big runs. They had Other some, than Stanford. They had some big rushes. And in Stanford, they were leading and kind of gave up their lead. They had yeah. a seven. They had a, they, had a, they had a touchdown lead, just had to get out of a drive, had a major holding, and then Tanner threw a touchdown on the corner, and then they end up scoring another touchdown in overtime. So for me, I, I love this matchup. I get excited about this game because yep. Utah's – But I like the matchup. I like the matchup for Utah. Yeah, I like Utah's, and I'm not, and this is, I'm not trying to homer Utah. I'm talking about we talk about speed and physicality and identity of a team. That's what makes a great team. You know who Utah's offense and defense is. Oregon's defense, you don't. Mm-hmm. They're going to give up a lot of points. Oregon coming into town here at Rice Echo Stadium coming up this weekend. Utah, Oregon kicking off a big time national contest. And it's going to be fantastic. We're going to continue to break down this game. I'm going to talk about, and I'm going to go through some of the things that I took notes on. This Utah defense against that Arizona offense. We saw Arizona move the field way too many times. And I'll go through some of the notes that I've got from that game in some of the issues that need to be addressed. And I want to ask Christian Cox if he believes this Utah defense can address those things and get them fixed. We'll talk about that and much more coming up on your Utah preview show. Hans Olsen, Christian Cox. Scotty G is on the other side of the dial. He's on the AM side with the Utah State basketball broadcast. You know we're competing against our, our own Nobody, Nobody's listening to us then. Everybody's <laughs> listening to Scotty. Uh, for those of you that are listening to us, we do appreciate it. Stay around. We're going to talk more about this Utah-Oregon game coming up next. The new zone lineup is here with the best coverage of the sports you love and the teams you can't live without. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 to 10, followed by Jake Scott and Ben Anderson from 10 to noon. Get your daily fix of Hanson Scotty from noon to 3. And then the zone welcomes unrivaled with Alex Curie and former NFL quarterback Scott Mitchell to the team. Weekdays from 3 to 6, live and local, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSLSports.com. All Utes, all the time. This is your Ute Preview Show with Hanson Scotty on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. No, people, we are not replaying episodes from 2017. Christian Cox is actually back on headset with me for the Utah Preview Show. 
for the first time in about three years. We finally get Christian Cox back here on the headset. People are getting what they've, what they've called for, what they desire. Nothing like riding a tandem bicycle, Hans. D- did you and I do that? No. Oh. That's just what we're doing right now. Oh. <laughs> are you in the front or the back? I'm not sure. I, what is, whatever, yeah, I whatever. don't remember it that. It doesn't matter. Have you, ridden a, t- have you ridden a tandem bicycle with someone? No. Yes. No. No. I've done the, the tandem uh, paddle boat. boat where sure. You, I'm talking like a real bike where you're. No. There, the I chance, don't have that type of balance. I'd take us The trust, that would be, that'd be very hard. I try to stay off bikes and motorbikes because when I was in high school, I was the passenger on a motorbike, and apparently I leaned the wrong way in a turn, and, <laughs> and it laid us over. How old were you? You were in high school? 15, 16? I, I was 16 and probably 280 Did you pounds. have a handful of chocolate from your <laughs> mama and then some rum in your back pocket or whatever? A handful of fudge. Sure. Leaning the wrong way. Um, no, haven't done the tandem bike. But sounds fun. He you likes to one? ride no. little ponies. Oh. No. Uh, no, I, uh, that was a full-size horse. Lloyd. just <laughs> looked not. little in the picture. It was the angle of the picture that made the horse look little. Is that a funny angle? Uh I did, however, run a promotion where I rode 100 miles on a bike for a charity, and we had Tom Homo and Scott Barnes, the Utah yeah. State Athletic Director. They did 20 miles on a tandem bike. <laughs> where were you guys riding at? That sounds like a, a Bear Lake nightmare. And I remember riding up behind uh Tom Homo was in the front. Yeah. Scott Barnes had his feet off the pedals. <laughs> <laughs> just making him pedal. And Tom Homo was just up front just chugging. Oh, man. One, sounds one, miserable. One you remember Scott Barnes was like yeah, maybe 280 pounds, 6'6". Six, yeah. six. Big, big man. Uh, so, Christian, really quick. Some issues with this Utah defense against Arizona. I want to run a couple by, by you. There were some missed tackles. Utah wasn't really getting into position to make the tackle. There were a lot of arm attempts, stuff where, you know, you're kind of manned up. You haven't completely defeated your block to get to the gap and too many arm tackle attempts against Arizona. There were too many guys losing guys on throwback gadgets. There were two times where a throwback gadget beat the Utah defense. Um, Arizona did a good job in cut blocks. Cut blocks on poles, cut blocks on traps on the backsides, and defenders were not getting off those cut blocks against Arizona. There were a couple of bad te- like targeting calls, which I know really hurt the defense. I don't know if the officials were trying; they they just wanted to find a targeting, but you saw the targeting calls. Yeah, those those were odd. Uh, and then guys over pursuing. How many times sure. did we see safeties and corners in open open field tackles? You know, they're they're running from hash out to number, and they're outrunning that receiver or running back, and they're cutting back inside on the over-pursuance. Those are some of the things that were leading to Arizona games, or gains. Yeah, there was t- for me there was two massive plays that one, uh, one of them is on that, what you've just outlined in terms of missed tackles. There was a fourth and five on their first touchdown they gave up to Plummer that was a run mm-hmm. that Utah had a free hitter that over-pursued to make the tackle in the backfield and and missed. I think it was Nephi Sewell, who is very sure-handed typically. He's very strong, makes the tackles. But, again, it's fourth and five. You're up seven to zero on the road. And instead of that, you gave up a, a 48-yard touchdown to let Arizona to have some life 
That's what you can't do. Mm-hmm. The other piece that's concerning to me, there's this This has been their third block uh, field goal for a touchdown this year. Punt. Uh, punt, sorry, excuse me. Two was against Oregon State. They got bailed out like crazy against Oregon State on the second one that should have been a, a, a block punt for a touchdown that should have fully ended the game on the road uh, at Corvallis. Against Arizona, they're lucky that the offense put together a, like a nine-minute drive to score and kind of cement the game. But the special teams portion were typically is the most sure-handed area for Utah this year, uh, or in the past, it's been not the case this year. They've had kicking issues. And when you give up a punt block for a touchdown, there's a statistic that you lose basically 80% of your games if you give up a block t- uh, block punt for a touchdown. Um, it's one of those things that they've looked at over the last 60 years in terms of statistics. And they've given up two. And they were lucky that this Arizona game, that they stuffed them on the two-point conversion and then did a nine-minute drive to cement the game, or else it would have been a much closer game. You can't play that way against Oregon. I get it. You're on the road. You think Arizona's not that great, but every team's great uh, and can win a game. And Arizona beat Cal the week before, and uh, obviously you're not going to play that way against Oregon at home. But the the block punts is a, a real concern for me, and you know this. It's not that hard to have a shield and block the the guy. I was on the shield, even being a small fellow. So did you guys run the three man shield? Yeah, we ran a three man shield. So you ran you ran two and then a single. You flash and then you move in. Because the three man shield came into business about oh, I guess after you, yeah. two or three years yeah. after I left the game. Yeah, but it's not even that complex. It's you 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 block the guys that are most on the inside gaps, and then the width your arms will push them out, and they're stepping down and. These guys are unblocked somehow, so there's 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 a schematic issue that that needs to get corrected. I'm sure Kyle will. He's because there were two maniacal. guys that blocked that punt. Yeah, they were untouched. It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen, and then an easy touchdown for him. Yeah, scoop. It was a walk in off the block punt. So those are a couple of the things. Uh, one of the things I was going to ask you, um, the because uh, I know that they can clean up losing guys on the throwback gadgets. Uh, I know that they can clean up taking on the cut blocks because they're they're going to have to work on that. Oregon does a little bit, of, not not as much as Arizona did last week, but Oregon does a little bit on, especially on the backside blocks. But the missed tackles, that's it's just unusual for Utah. That's something I'm sure they'll probably go back and work on this week. You can clean something like that up. Tackling drills, that's that that's that's clean up a bull making up words here. But the difference is Plummer, as a quarterback, is not the same quarterback as Oregon's quarterback. He is dynamic. He can stretch you with his feet, for real. He can make all the throws. But he does throw interceptions if you're putting him into bad situations. You can't miss tackles against Dye, uh, Oregon's running back. That's when he'll break a 60-yard gain. He's nifty on his feet. And if Verdell's playing as well, it's it's going to be a real challenge. So, I, I obviously, it's one of those games uh, I'm not – I'm not trying to downplay it. Uh, I'm going back to the past, Uncle Rico style, like I always do here. Uh, in 2008, we went on the road uh, before we played BYU, I think. Uh, we were undefeated that year, and we beat New Mexico like 13-10 to 10 or 17-10. to 10. They made the grass really long. They had a real specific game plan. And does anybody remember that game? No. You just win it and you move on. And now you're moving on to the matchup you've all wanted. You're both 7-1 in the Pac-12. You have a home game at a loud, full stadium of 50,000 people. It's national television. 
You, it's going to be chilly. You, it's, it will be chilly, yeah. but these are the types of atmospheres that Utah can can really take advantage of. And like we said earlier in the show, you I like Utah's matchup, not from just the physicality. We've always said, oh, Utah's more physical. Utah is not only physical. Now over the years, they have speed at all of the positions that you need to match up with. And I like not only the physicality on defense and speed with, you know, Devin Lloyd and Mika Tafua in the back end, but the offense for once in a long time has an identity, is very strong, and you can run the ball with a three-headed monster. Cam Rising won't make mistakes, and you somewhat have a good play-action downfield game for the first time in a long time. Biggest game in the country coming up this weekend right here in Rice-Eccles Stadium, Utah against number three, Oregon. We're going to get really deep into this game. We're going to talk about what Utah's doing really well, some of the areas that they've improved and why with Christian Cox. That's all coming up here momentarily. But we are live at Tim Daly Nissan here in Murray, just off 4500 South and State Street. Come down, ask for the Black Friday bargain. Ask for Rich, ask for the Black Friday bargain. And, Rich, you're sending guys out the door with incredible deals in these new Nissans. Uh, Well, that's what it takes. Uh, Most of our clients want an incredible deal. We know that. That's what we deliver daily, just like bread coming out of a bakery. (laughs) Deals. Deals. deals, deals, yeah. Keep that line moving. Uh, Who doesn't love deals in a in an inflated market where you got lots of money to spend? Let's buy some cars, that's right? right. I'm exactly. in. And you know, with the holidays coming up, one of the things we really, 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 really need is we're buying cars from clients. Maybe they want to come in. They've got a late model car sitting in the driveway. They don't need that one, or they want to get out of that car. Bring it down here. We're paying cash for those kind of cars right now. I can't get enough of them for a used car lot. With the pandemic, with the COVID, with the this, with that, with everything that's going on, I can't get chips, but we can still buy used cars. So if you're sitting at home, you want to bring your car down here, let's keep it simple. Just drive it down. Tell us you want to sell it. If you want to get another one, that's great, too. We'll help you out on that, but we sure would like to take a look at your car. 4528 South State Street. That's Tim Daly Nissan here in Murray. Come down and see him. 0% financing on 14 different models. You got the forever warranty that we've talked about. Um, you've got rates that have never been lower. Is this crazy? Because I know you've been in this industry a lot of years, Rich. Is it crazy how ri- low these rates are? Uh, right well, I've never seen them lower than what they are right now, and they're only going to go up in the next uh, few months or over the next year. So now's a good time to do it and get a car for the holidays. Uh, we've had a lot of deals come in here where folks don't want any payments during the holidays. So we're deferring the payments out in three, six months, whatever the customers need, uh, to make it comfortable for them to get that new ride, to enter the winter time, and have something comfortable and no payments so they got money for the holidays. You've heard Rich on the show. You know the guy. You're going to feel comfortable with him. Come down and see him. That's Tim Daly Nissan in Murray. Check out some of these new vehicles and the great options that they've got for you. Rich, thanks. My pleasure. More Utah Preview Show coming right up.